Hey. All right, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quinarius was governing Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Today, as we close out our series, Hope, and celebrate the eve of Christmas, I want to speak to you from the subject, I thought this would look different. I thought this would look different as we deal with and look at let down our expectations and having hope beyond that. Would you pray with me just one more time? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and it's active and it's powerful, that it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so I pray this Christmas Eve, Eve, God, that you would just speak to us right now, right here in this service. And there's a million and one things going on and a million and one things on our to-do list still. And we could be in a million and one other places, but we chose to be here right now for this moment. So settle our hearts, calm our minds, allow us to focus. May these be your words, not my words. And may we leave here different than how we came in today. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Amen. So um, I don't want to single anybody out today, but I'm kind of going to because I just want to talk like the parents in the house. So raise your hand if you're a parent here today. Parent. Okay, a lot of us in here. I know we've got singles and young adults and teens and, and everything like that. So you guys just need to kind of lean in for the illustration. Just trust me when I say these things because the parents are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, I was thinking about it as I was reading Luke chapter 2, this, this story that we all say it's a nativity scene. And, and many of us, uh, somebody came up to me afterwards and they're like, I, I knew you were going to speak about Luke chapter 2 just because it's Christmas Eve and that's what you do. And that's why I rebel so hard in, in doing, like I don't want to, like, teach out of this verse. Like, I want to go obscure. Like, turn with me to Lamentations. Like, that's <laughs> what I want to do Christmas Eve because I just don't want to read this story. But how many of you know that when you just keep on digging in, you keep on digging in, you see things that you've never seen before? You realize things that you haven't realized before. And so I, I pray that that's what we hear this morning. But as I was thinking about this, I was remembering back to my, my, my firstborn, my, my son, who's actually sick this morning. So you could be praying for him. He had 104 fever. So we're like, yes, Merry Christmas. Um, so... So I was thinking about him and, and, and him being, and, and parents, you, you'll know what I'm talking about because when, when you find out you're pregnant and you're having your first child, how many of you know, like there's, two, like there's one thing that's synonymous with first child and it's Pinterest, okay? <laughs> now some of you in here are like, I had my child a long, long time ago, okay? There was no Pinterest, it was still dial up. So that's fine, but just roll with me, okay? I know there's holes all over this analogy. Uh, <laughs> Some of you are like, I can't relate to him at all. <laughs> I did the phone like this. <laughs> Anyways, for us, when we had a first born, it was like, it was full blown. It was magazines. It was Pinterest. It was my wife talking with her friends, and they were like just chattering about all the little things. Ah, and it was building cribs and painting rooms. And I remember her going to her first, like the, the bridal, or not bridal, that was before a uh, kid. Um, <laughs> The, the baby shower, and, and there was like foo-foo stuff everywhere, and feathers, and colors, and food, and I didn't even know what half of it meant. It looked scary to me, and uh, looked like a peacock was sacrificed at her, at her thing. It was crazy, and so, uh, <laughs> uh, so all this stuff was going on, and I, 
And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, man, this is like, there's a party. Like, there's a lot that goes into having, like, your first child. And I remember, like, we were putting up wainscoting in his bedroom and, 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 and uh, pictures that she wanted up. And I had the bedroom painted long. I mean, she was not even six months pregnant before the bedroom was done and ready to go. And we had him and everything like that happened. And, and then how many of you know, like, when you have your first child, you have everything built up in your mind the way that it's going to be. And then you have the child and you realize that everything you built up was a complete and total lie right? Then you have your second kid, right? And by the time you get to your second kid, all the stuff that you did for the first kid, you don't do. (laughs) You do like half of it, right? And you're kind of like, ah, it'll be all right. Like, we'll give her, and that was Shiloh, my middle daughter. And then we kind of go like, oh, now I get it. We should have given her all those things. And so, (laughs) so like you get to that point, and then you have your third kid. So we have an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, and then a one and a bit-year-old. And by the time you get to the third kid, right? That's that far of a gap. You're kind of like, I mean, she's got a room. <laughs> that's, that's a good place to be. I mean, there is that type of deal. <laughs> I just painted a room like two weeks ago. Erica, <laughs> Erica's like, we got to get a room painted before she realizes what's going on. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is like as a parent, the, re- the reason you have all this stuff going on and the pressure of doing all this is because we have this idea built in our heads as to what it's going to be to be a parent, right? You have all these ideas built up in your head as to what, it, what it's going to mean to have your first kid. And like, I remember I thought it was going to be like just this glorious moment where I'm holding my son's hand in the park and then he just like randomly stands up and is like, I'm going to choose to walk today and we're going to walk into the sunset at the park. Father holding son's hand and then he's going to just look at me and say, thou thus, thus father of mine, like all these ideas. And then you realize, no, it's just kicking and screaming. Right? And you believe that you, your, your kids are just going to cuddle with you and love you forever. And like when I had my first daughter, I was like, I cannot wait for this. This is going to be amazing because my, my son wants nothing to do with my arms. But my daughter, she's just going to want to be in my arms all the time. She's going to be a daddy's girl. And she's going to want to cuddle me. And I try to grab her and I put her in my arms. And she's like, like get, get away from me. And I'm like, why are you like your mom right now? Like, like all these... <laughs> No one wants to hug me in my house. <laughs> we have these pictures up in our minds, don't we? Of how things are supposed to go. And how many of you are like me that you're, you're met with real life? And then you find yourself making the statement, I thought this would look different. You ever been there before? You ever had that expectation, that hope, that picture of how things were going to be quickly to be met with the idea that it's not the way that I thought it was going to look? See, the reality, though, the picture in our head, seen on Pinterest and on Instagram, are not the pictures that capture the majority of what we face and experience in life. See, this would be the same for Mary and Joseph as well. See, the picture of the family that they desired, that they dreamed of, of, that they were conditioned for and that was planned out was abruptly interrupted by the presence and the purpose of God. And while seemingly oh so spiritual, it was in fact intrusive, disruptive, and inconvenient because we can safely assume and understand that Mary had an idea of what life was going to play out like, especially when it came to having a child, and what she was met with was completely different than the reality she was she was hoping for. As a young mom, I'm pretty sure that she wasn't thinking, one day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be pregnant. I'm going to have to tell my 
doubting or my, my husband that, hey, like everything that you're doubting right now, like marrying me and everything like that, like I get it because I'm pregnant and, and this is a, a baby that is going to be the savior of the world, like that comes across weird. I know for some of you right now, I'm like destroying the nativity scene. <laughs> that was what she, she wasn't planning for that. And I guess that's what strikes me the most about the nativity scene that we've all grown so accustomed to. It looks so pretty and serene, put together and perfectly planned, yet in all of its glory, it was so the opposite of that. The nativity scene represented all that was unplanned and undesired. The nativity scene was far from the perfect picture that we've grown so accustomed to on postcards and in movies, and yet again, that is the beauty of it all. It shows us that Christ, the perfect one, takes up residence in imperfect places and imperfect situations. That's the beauty of the nativity scene, is that he lives in these places. And the problem that many of us face this Christmas is that our expectations, much like Mary and Joseph's, have been sideswiped by the unknown, the unforeseen and unexpected reality of the world and the life that we walk in every day. It's because of this that for many of us, the bank of our hope is hovering close to empty. And we're running on fumes right now. And for others, maybe we're not empty yet, but we are watching the gauge drop really quickly. But today, all of that canon will change because the good news of the gospel and the arrival of Jesus is that no matter the situation that you and I face, he is right in the middle of it. You may think that your life, your circumstance, your situation can accommodate him, but the, can't accommodate him, but the truth is, is that he actually thrives in the most dire of situations. He resides in the most complicated and messy of places, and this is the great hope that we have, and this is what the Bible tells us. This hope that we have, it does not disappoint. It doesn't disappoint. And so it's with this idea that I want to just, uh, I want to dig into three truths that I think we find right here in the, in the nativity scene and this Christmas story that many of us, I think many times, can just allow to be simply that. It's just a story that we hear on Christmas. It's, it's a part of the tradition. I pray that this story actually comes alive to us in a way that is no longer traditional, but life-changing. And every time that we read Luke chapter two, we read it in a different way, through a different lens, as we allow ourselves and our hearts and our minds to rest in these, these truths that I wanna look at today. So, three Christmas Eve Eve truths for us here this Sunday morning. I need your help though, come on, every shout number one. First one is this, is that our mess is his manger. Our mess is his manger. Psalm chapter 34, verse 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. See, so often it's our perspective, our inaccurate perspective of who Jesus is and what he does that keeps him at a distance from our lives. Because see, many of us, we can come to this conclusion that Jesus just remains distant. The problem is, is that we have an inaccurate view of, of how things go. He actually doesn't want to remain distant, but many of us look like this when it comes to Jesus. We want him close, but yet we push him away. His desire is to be close. His desire is to be right there with the crushed and the, and the brokenhearted. We believe that Jesus cannot be bothered with the mess of our lives, that he wouldn't be bothered, couldn't be bothered. But the truth of the Christmas story is quite literally the opposite. The mess of our lives is the manger of his grace. And here's the thing, we don't welcome 
Jesus into perfection, but rather we invite him into our brokenness. And there's a difference between the two. There's a difference between trying to welcome him into perfection and inviting him into our mess. Like, if you come to our house, isn't it it true that when we bring people over to our house, for the most part, generally speaking, we try to clean everything up? (laughs) Right? Some of you are like, nah, I don't care. We try to clean everything up, and we try to make everything look nice, right? We try to, we put on our nice white buttoned-up shirt and our Mr. Rogers carnigan. (laughs) I get it. I know. (laughs) Won't you be my neighbor? Like, we do these things to try to clean everything up. And when, when I come over to my mat, like if you come over to my house, guys, it's a lie. <laughs> Erica and I scramble along with the kids and we're like, okay, so-and-so's coming over. Clean up the house. Kids are like, Dad, where do you want us to put it? And I'm like, in the closet. <laughs> Just shove it in the closet. And then you come over and you're like, where would you like me to hang my coat? I'll put it in the closet. We're like, no, no. Stop! Cindy, he's sensitive about the closet. Some of you are like, who's Cindy? (laughs) But that's what some of us are trying to do. We're trying to welcome Jesus into our perfection. Right? We're trying to to clean it all up and make it all look nice and then say, okay, okay, Jesus, come on in. Come on in. And he's like, you're so full of it. (laughs) Because I know. See, we're not welcoming him into perfection. We're inviting him in to our brokenness. Because the truth is our mess is his manger. See, we worship together today, not in a place of perfection, but rather in a collective unity of not adding up. But we do so, we come into this moment to worship the one who brings it all together. Brings everyone who doesn't add up to a place of life, grace, reconciliation, and hope. That's the beautiful thing about this season. See, the truth is is that this idea, this this concept that we're wrestling with gets lost on many of us in the hustle and the bustle of the season. It's a truth that I hope we can recapture in our lives as we gaze upon the nativity scene of our hearts and ask the question, have I allowed Jesus to take up residence in my life? Can I tell you this, this Sunday, he doesn't want your perfection. He wants your invitation. For him to step into the manger of your mess, for him to reside in it. I mean, think about that picture. Think about what he was invited to. I know we don't think about this because for some of us, I'm like destroying your nativity scene right now. You're like, I liked my perfect nativity scene. My porcelain white nativity scene. Like, I loved it. It wasn't that. It was gross. It was a barn, (laughs) y'all. Right? It's not like she chose that. It it, it looked a little bit different than what she wanted it to look like. It, It was messy. So she shows up and she gives birth and she wraps him in cloth puts them in a manger with like barn animals and stuff like it's one thing to do a home birth it's a whole nother thing to do a barn birth (laughs) and some of you right now you'd be like that'd be so hipster a barn birth let's do that (laughs) 
No, I'm just, I'm, I'm keeping everything, it's all, stop. That is the season that we, we live in right now. That the manger of our lives is often messy. We've got to come to this place. It's a deal. On a war path to help all of us understand that your mess, he's okay with it. And here's the deal. He loves you so much that he takes up residence in your mess. But then he loves you so much more that he says, I want to help you clean up the mess. Right? Because like as a parent, I don't even go that far. <laughs> right? Like I love my children. I walk into their room and I'm like, I love you. But I'm not going to help you with this. <laughs> you do that yourself. <laughs> See, the glorious thing about Jesus is he steps right in the middle of it. He says, I love you so much. This is messy. And then he gets down on hand and knee and he starts helping you pick up the messy things that you've been afraid to touch. That is the picture of the cross. It's the God of the universe who put on flesh, dwelt among us, and picked up the messy things of the world and put it on him. So the first thing that we need to understand, the first truth we need to anchor our hearts in this Christmas is that our mess is his manger. Come on, everybody shout number two. Number two, there is always pain associated with the process of new beginnings. First Peter chapter one, verses three to four, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of this great mercy he has given us new birth. Everybody shout new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. The life, check this out, the life and ministry of Jesus is the combination of two points of pain. He enters into the world through childbirth and exits the world on a cross. These two points of pain are the catalyst for our hope. Both points of pain was the precursor to newness to a new moment. And that's what's so beautiful about this story is that he didn't come into the world without pain. He didn't exit it without pain. But both points of reference of pain in his life created a new beginning. And that new beginning is for you and I. And so pain is often, most times, associated with new moments, new seasons, new realities. And some of us are sitting in here today, right now, we've come into this place and we are carrying pain. We are experiencing pain. This year has been painful. This week has been painful. This month has been painful. And I want you to know and I want to declare over your life and I need you to hear the good news of the gospel that while you may have been in pain, there is a new season coming for your life. That is the gospel. And moms know this through childbirth. I remember when we had our first, our first child, Justice. Remember it was like the eve of everything that was getting ready to happen. And, and we knew this because she started having contractions. And like this, is my first time, like this is my first time dealing with this reality. But you have to know my wife. My wife's weird. Like just straight up. She's strange. She has a really like high pain tolerance. She's just matter of the fact about things. Like I love my wife because she is this per- she is the constant in our relationship. This guy's up and down and all over the place and right. 
And she's like, kids, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> this is just your father. And so, so she's having contractions. We went to the hospital. The hospital sent us back home. They're like, you're not ready yet. Everything's fine. She's like, no, I'm, I'm ready. Let's have this kid. And they're like, no, no, like legitimately, you're just not, your body's not ready. She's like, well, what do I need to do to get ready? I was like, that's a weird question, babe. So they sent us home. She's like, let's go to a monster truck show. That's what we did. Went to a monster truck show in Arizona. And she walked. I was like, where do you want to sit? She's like, all the way at the top. I was like, I don't want to go up to the top. And she looks at me. She's like, you want to go to the top. I'm like, we're going to the top, guys. Round it up. Here we go. And so we hiked up to the top of that. She waddled up to the top of that like stadium. And we watched the monster truck show. And she was doing everything in her power to get that baby out. And I remember she starts having better contractions, but we're still waiting to go to the hospital. So Justin and Alicia are with us and we're hanging out. And so we decided to play a game of Settlers of Catan. Because that's what you do when you're having contractions is you play Catan. So we sat there, and I remember, like, she, she had her phone out, and she had, like, some, like, baby monitoring app thing, and she'd, like, like, she'd have a contraction, and then she'd hit start, and, like, she'd just watch, and she'd, like, all of a sudden, it'd be her turn, and, and like, she'd, <laughs> to all of us. <laughs> Justin's like, can you go already? <laughs> roll, not go, roll, Right? And she'd pause back again, and we'd, we'd do this thing. And what I found interesting is I was thinking about this. This was the process of her pain. And here's the crazy part. As much pain that she was in, she was, she was joy-filled about the pain. Why? Because she knew that the process of her pain was going to lead to a new moment. The birth of our child. And I think that's what creates this amazing connection between mother and child. And this is the connection that Jesus wants to, us to have with him. He says, because here's the deal. I want to walk through your pain with you. And that you may have been in pain this, this season of your life. But there's a new season I have for you. The question is, is can we trust Jesus with the new season? There's always pain associated with new birth, new moments, new growth. How many of you have ever started working out for the first time? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. We'll know who started working out for the first time next weekend. <laughs> hey, you know, some of you are just be walking in like this. <laughs> and I remember asking my coach when we started working out for the first time, I was like, I am so much pain. Like my legs were like sensitive to the touch, right? Like my kids could take me out just by hitting my legs. And I'm like, is it always going to be like this? And he's like, yes. I go, I'm always going to be in pain. He's like, yes. And I'm like, why are we doing this then? Aren't I supposed to get stronger? He says, no, 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 no. Here, here's, the, here's the great thing. You'll always be in pain. You just get used to it. And I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> and here's the reality. I wish I could paint you a better picture, but life offers us just too many moments to be in pain, doesn't it? And I feel like we're naysayers and we live in la-la land when we say that, that pain's just not going to exist in the world that we live in. I wish I could say that Jesus took away all the pain, but the truth of the matter is, is that he sits with you in the midst of the pain and he helps us understand that even while we are in pain, there is a new season that that pain is leading to. It's often a threshold. 
but he's bringing you into a new moment. Come on, somebody. That is the good news of the gospel. (laughs) And here's the truth, that his grace is sufficient for you no matter what the season. His grace is sufficient. It's good. It's strong enough. It can handle it. It's sufficient. And number three, every shot number three? The last one is this, is just because it looks different doesn't mean he's not in it. Just because it looks different doesn't mean that he's not in it. And I love this scripture right here in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It says, he has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts, but no one can discover the work God has done from beginning to end. In other words, he makes everything beautiful in its season. No one can discover the work God has done from beginning to the end. Why? Because we're living in the middle of it. I mean, come on, can we just be honest this morning? Have you ever been in a, in a situation where you're, you're like, I just don't get this? Because we have these difficult points of reference going on in life. We're in the middle of the journey, and so sometimes it's really hard to discover what what God is doing, and then that's when we find ourselves asking and saying, now I thought it was gonna look different than this. I mean, I could picture Mary going, I didn't didn't realize, I didn't think I would ever be having a baby in a barn. I didn't think it was gonna look like this. You may be saying this weekend, I didn't think my marriage was going to look like this. I didn't think I was going to lose that job the way that I did. I didn't think I would financially be where I'm at right now. I didn't think that I was going to be dealing with these, these health situations. I didn't think that it was going to look like this. I didn't think I was going to be this broken. I didn't think I was going to be this hurt. I didn't think I was going to be this bitter. I didn't think I was going to be this unforgiving. I didn't realize that it was going to look like this. I didn't think the world was going to look like this. I didn't think stuff going on in the world was going to look like this. I'm afraid. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I don't know where my security's coming from. It's the manger. And it doesn't make sense, and so often we simply ascribe to God his distance away from us because it looks different than how we thought it was going to be. But can I tell you something? That the overriding look that God has over our lives is always different than how we see things. Many times we perceive change, especially in reference to our expectations and plans, as bad. But the truth is that just because life has ended up looking different than how we thought it should look doesn't mean that God is not in it, or even better, can't be in it. This is the nativity scene. And when I read Luke chapter two, I see it very differently than I once saw it. And I'll never forget, we're gonna get ready to worship and just One more moment, but I'll never forget running down. Many of you, I I don't know how many of you are kind of newer with us, but Justin and I are brothers, so um, we have so many amazing memories growing up. And uh, in our living room that we affectionately called the white room, seemed like everything was white in there and you couldn't touch it. (laughs) White couches, white carpet, er everything. And I was like, what, this is... Like, if you just put padding on the wall. (laughs) I mean, 
<laughs> Which oftentimes my mom was like, this is what we need to do. And she'd have this nativity set that would sit either on a piano that was in there or this window seal. We'd come down and all of its lights, it was porcelain, I believe, and it was, it was beautiful, and she always made it look. And everybody had like this weird smile on their face. You know what I'm talking about? Like Mary's holding the baby, just like. I was thinking about that the other day, and I was like, that was so not the scene. Can, can we just be real in church today? I know, some of you are like, this is not a Christmassy church. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. This next moment will make it all Christmas. <laughs> we often look at things so put together. And so we think we have to come in, come to Jesus all put together. But every storyline that we see throughout this Bible right here is Jesus putting together already broken pieces. And so we sit, stand, worship, pray together, read from this word today as collectively broken pieces. That in this season, Jesus says, I'm gonna patch you back up and it's gonna be a journey. And you're gonna see the crack marks and you're gonna see where I had to use a little bit extra glue so it leaked out, got hard right there. but I'm gonna move you into a destiny far greater than what you ever realized was on and over your life. That is his dwelling place. Right here, in the midst of broken vessels. And it's from that place that we worship him with everything that we are. So I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet right now. And it's with this heart, this moment, that we're going to light the Christ candle. The final candle of our Advent season. These guys right now are going to light your candles. I'm going to ask you just to pass your, uh, light the person's candle next to you. I'm gonna ask the team just to turn the lights down a little bit more because I want us to see something. I'm a visual person. We light this candle, the Christ candle, to represent as our candle is lit. Christ in our lives.